No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of Ex-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Okay, so here's where we're at after the last episode. We are now into year three of me and Ben's relationship. Athena and Chris are together and expecting a baby. The judge also ruled in Ben's favor regarding the domestic violence charges brought about by Athena. Now, I had zero idea that he had created fake documentation and thought that he won fair and square. And while Athena appealed the verdict, it was ultimately dropped. And this was major because now I had the law saying that they don't believe her and she's not credible. Totally worked in Ben's favor. I know you're probably want to shake the sense into me at this point, but hang tight. It gets even messier. At this point in the story, Athena has Chris now as a support system, and he encourages her to take a step back and leave me and Ben alone and assuring her that I'll eventually figure it out. And so for the time being, she's hopping off the crazy train, and I am now on a bullet train to crazy town. And don't forget, I'm still all jacked up on fertility meds and not in the best state of mind as I grow more and more desperate to have a child of my own. Now, back to the episode, season one, episode 21, hashtag FML. Although I was upset about how things went down in court, I was glad to be done with all of the high-stress legal bullshit that I'd endured those past few months. He went back and told me, we won! Oh, that was the worst part. I was like, yeah. oh, she thinks she's winning. Oh, totally. Uh, I would do the same. I would be yeah. so mad. I would do the absolute same. And then and you so touch it did, after and I was like, oh my gosh, girl. Yeah. I'd be like, I hate <laughs> you. You have no idea. <laughs> um, curious. I mean, obviously things went back to normal because we got Sydney yeah. back. We were yeah. back to our normal custody situation. Did you ever confront him about the fake shit that he submitted? Oh, yeah. And what did he say? nothing just laughed in my face just laughed. so he didn't deny doing it he just never laughed. no no because he knows and i know it's not true all the lies and he had already admitted to so many lies before telling me that he had to say what he had to say so you wouldn't leave and threw me into the bus so nothing changed he just like well, whatever he whatever the got... past is in the past the past is in the past oh, right. we need to move forward to yeah. have you heard that a thousand times oh my god a million times let the past leave the, the past. past even if it was yesterday and you just fuck somebody else <laughs> yes. like athena the past let is the past in the past. Is the past that was yesterday oh. i put my dick in her yesterday but the past <laughs> but is, this is today it's a whole <laughs> new start now was the time that I could finally focus on my pregnancy and family. Chris and I immediately jumped right back to the home repairs and updates that we were doing so we could get my home on the market by February. Chris's family invited us all to come out to Michigan for Christmas. I already knew Ben would never let Sydney be with me on both Christmas Eve and Christmas, but I decided to ask him anyway. Just as I thought, Ben quickly said no and we decided to go a few days after Christmas instead. I was very excited to meet Chris's parents for the first time. I was five months pregnant at that point and was definitely showing. 
I was so grateful that Chris's family was welcoming me with open arms. Once we arrived in Michigan, we quickly settled in for the evening with his parents at their home. They had a beautiful custom-built home on a very large private lot. The Christmas lights and the decorations were still in full effect both inside and outside. They had a massive Christmas tree in the large family room and stockings embroidered with all of their children and grandchildren's names, and those were all hung across the fireplace. The Klingermans know how to host, that's for sure. Anything we would have wanted or needed was already stocked and there for us. It was amazing. We all had previously decided to do a gift exchange with the entire family while we were there, so I had all the presents shipped to their home before we arrived. The next few days were relaxing and full of great food and conversation. My children and Chris's sister's children hit it off right away and they were inseparable. On the third day of our visit, we were finally going to do the big Christmas dinner and the gift exchange. That day, the entire family came over and I was able to meet Chris's grandmother and his aunt and uncle. Chris's sisters were there once again, of course, with their children. As we all gathered in the kitchen, Sydney walked up to the counter to munch on the appetizers that were there on the kitchen island. And in front of everyone, Sydney says, Mom, I don't care if Dad think people from Michigan are white trash, because I don't. I think everyone is really nice and pretty here. Um, come again? Did she really just say that? I pulled her aside and asked her why that was even said. She repeated the entire story to me. How dare Ben tell my daughter something like that? I was pissed. Next, Mama Klingerman announces that it's time for the gift exchange, so I end the conversation with Sydney. We all made our way to the large family room and the kids patiently opened up their gifts one by one until the ginormous amount of gifts were gone. Chris then stands up and tells everyone that there is one more gift, a very special gift, he says. I smiled in excitement and all of the kids cheered loudly, hoping that last present was for them. That's when Chris walks over towards me and he begins to tell everyone that this very special gift was for Athena. What? Who? Me? I am completely surprised. One person. Okay. I'm going to tell you that. Wait. It's for a very special person. A person who I love very much. A person who for the last eight months has made my life so happy. And I'm so happy you have known her. So happy you have known her family. I love her and her kids. Everybody draws a name, the adults, and then we would buy, I'll buy for the kids. Right. So we go through all that and then Chris is like, and I didn't know his grandmother and his aunt and all of them were going to be there. And they're all smiley and sweet and kind. And it was so nice. And then I found out very shortly after that, like it was a whole plan. And I will admit I unwrapped my Christmas presents as a kid. And I do. Them. <gasps> oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We I totally do did. not like being surprised. I cannot handle um, not knowing. And I am not patient. It eats me up. And I'm fine with it now. I'm way more patient. Yeah. So I could not believe they got over on me with that. The connecting flight home from Michigan to Chicago turned out to be a nightmare. They had delayed our flight, not just a few hours, but for four days. I knew Ben would take this as an opportunity to make me look like a bad mother when I didn't arrive home to deliver Sydney that following morning. And just like I suspected, Ben started freaking out and accusing me of lying. And although Ben's attorney was a complete prick as well, I made sure to email him and let him know that this was completely out of my hands. And I sent proof of the flights being delayed so that there was a paper trail. I just remember at that point, it was like, you aren't going to get away with anything. 
we are going to stick, make sure that you follow the rules to a T. And yeah, that was kind of the mentality that we were going through. It was like, yeah. oh man. Well, what, what really happened was when we were pulling into Chicago, the, the plane that was in our gate, they pulled out and they had to pull back in because some guy was freaking out trying to get off the plane. Oh my gosh. Oh, so, it's, so it delayed us. Then they were like, sorry, we but can't for get four days. Yeah. Because there was a snowstorm on top of that. Oh, gotcha. and so everybody okay. was already having issues with flights coming in from other places. So we were good to leave on our plane if we would have caught it, but because so just domino there was a huge of... snowstorm in that whole area and the surrounding airports coming into it, there were so many stranded people with the worst customer service through United. Yeah. United. Not good. Like I remember that incident and like him saying, my God, she's pulling her same old shit, trying to bend the rules. And I think she's fully lying. After weeks of back and forth in court and battling with Athena, we finally got the verdict from the caseworker. We won. Finally, something was going right. I felt vindicated. And in a way, it was almost validation that good won over evil, except... I didn't really realize at the time that I was actually on the bad guys team. Nevertheless, life went on like normal and we got Sydney back on our normally scheduled days and times. And hopefully this big fail in court for Athena would finally put her in her place so we could just live our lives in peace without her meddling and causing trouble. It was January of 2016 and even though the end of 2015 was brutal, Losing my best friend in a failed IVF attempt, I had hoped that there would be a light at the end of the tunnel. After the first round of IVF failed, we didn't want to lose momentum, and so we immediately scheduled a second round with a different clinic. But around the same time as I was prepping with all the injections, I noticed we got a bill for $15,000 from the first clinic. Wait, we already paid that, I thought to myself. And when I confronted Ben... He just played dumb and took the bill and said he'd take care of it. Unfortunately, our second attempt of having a baby failed too, and it was looking like 2016 wasn't going to be any better than the year before. The doctor was so matter-of-fact and simply said to me, well, it didn't take and my advice would be to move to a donor egg if you ever want a chance of having a baby. What a fucking gut punch. That was just something I couldn't wrap my brain around. I was so mentally defeated, stressed, and absolutely heartbroken. What did I ever do to deserve all this? On top of that, I got a call the day after the procedure from the second IVF clinic telling me that the check that Ben gave them was canceled and we still owed the full amount. Of course, he denied canceling the check, but I had big suspicions now, especially because it happened twice. I as you can imagine, was livid. I screamed for him to take care of it ASAP. No excuses. The first round was in October. By, gosh, November, probably, I started getting bills in the mail. After a couple bills, they stopped coming. So I don't know. I assumed that everything was taken care of, like he told me. I'm getting really like suspicious. The second time, how does that happen twice? Yeah. And so, yeah. So then I'm livid and I'm- and Have they already implanted, like done the procedure? Yes. Yeah. No take back sees. And I'm yes. screaming at him to get it taken care of and get it fixed right now. And he was like, okay, okay. And then I but never he said heard. He did. Yeah. So 
Okay, so fast forward, you have the procedure done and you basically just get a period or you take a test. One or the other happened and you just know nothing. Hey, yeah, you go in for a blood test and he's so unsupportive at that time too. He didn't go to the doctors for the follow-up visit, nothing. I got a phone call and by myself in my car. Yeah, nope, the pregnancy test turned out negative, the blood work turned out negative. And then they schedule a follow-up with that doctor just to be like, well, what's the next game plan? And doctors are just not warm and fuzzy. And so I'm sitting there by myself, no partner, no support system. And he's just like, yeah, no, definitely didn't work. This is your second time. And if you ever want a baby, I would suggest going to get an egg donor. How do you wrap your brain around? Like you can't even have like your own biological child. In your mind, you haven't put it to rest. And at that point, I didn't want to give up yet. An old girlfriend of mine, Monique, I don't know if you saw her, her message, but she was like, oh. I cry every time Amber cries. Like, oh, this makes me so it. emotional. No. Like, Let's see if I can not cry I know. <laughs> through this episode, but People it's hard. Pain. And it's not about crying about Ben, it's crying about the situation. Yeah. Now I'm sure my friends and family were probably secretly happy that I didn't get pregnant knowing all that they knew about Ben at this point. Here is one of my good friends, Sandy, and her thoughts on it. Okay, so after the whole suicide debacle and you realized that I was fine. I mean, did you think I was fine? I mean, I was fine, I, but I don't know what you thought. If like, oh God, did she have a mental Well, he made you sound like you were unstable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, even though you have a history of depression, you've never been an unstable person. You've always been very even keel. Mm-hmm. And... It was un, it was outside of your character and your demeanor. And so it was more confusion. And after talking to him and him making it sound like you had lost your mind, and then you walked out of the hospital laughing um, that it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And talking to you, I think we talked all night. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that it was him and it wasn't you because I know you and for this person to make you look like a crazy person, it just didn't add up again. You know, your story of what you told me transpired that night with the argument that you had and the cops coming and then what he said happened, he just put himself in the victim um, slash hero getting you to the hospital position Mm -hmm. and you were a crazy person and that's just not who you are. I know that was the biggest red flag to me that this was a Ben issue. Yeah. It was devastating too, because that was something I've never shared with anyone, especially not a man. And to feel like I felt safe enough to tell him because he was my partner and he literally texted Athena and was like Amber tried to kill herself and then basically smeared my name with her and so as a mom she's like oh my gosh I don't want my daughter around Amber can you imagine (laughs) like I don't want her driving with my child I don't want her to be around my child I can't he used that and weaponized it against me for forever and probably still to this day he tells people I'm crazy or whatever but um, let's talk babies because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think 
when you are, I mean, you have children. I don't have children. I've always wanted children. And I think I got into this zone and I don't know how to explain to anybody because you, you're so desperate and times are ticking and I don't have time to go break up and find someone else and, and make it happen. And the doctor is telling me, you don't have time. (laughs) You have months, you don't have years. And I remember just trying to rationalize, like, it's okay. I can be a single mom and I'll just move back to Oregon. If it doesn't work out, then I'll just be a single mom. I can do it and have my friends and my family. And, oh, it's so awful. But what were you guys thinking, like, during the whole IVF? We were thinking WTF. Mm. What is happening? We didn't understand why you would want to, as a parent, Marriage and kids is hard enough just having everyday life. But then you add in the the turmoil of what is happening in your relationship, which for you and him were was extremely elevated and volatile because of him. And adding a child just would have been horrible. And... Mm-hmm. I know you've always wanted babies since forever, you know, you've always wanted that. And to bring that into the equation would have been, would have been absolutely terrible for, for you. And you kept pressing on and it didn't make any sense. And so we're just like, what is Amber doing? Why is she doing this? And I think we all knew that you just desperately wanted a child and this was a way to have a child but the person you would be having it with you would be tied to him forever I know and And seeing what Athena goes through with him it's just a blessing in disguise but I think you get so desperate you really don't even think rationally and honestly it's selfish too when I can look back at it now and say how selfish of me that I would have brought a baby into this world with him and seeing how he's treated his other two children. It's just, it's so awful. And I'm sure there's other women that are kind of in that boat, you know, but my mom, it's like, we were all praying to God. It it didn't happen. And didn't, it's awful to think that, to think it doesn't work. So so many people praying against it, you know, Mm -hmm. because from, having children of our own and being in long-term relationships like you don't want to be you don't want to be a single mom you don't want to bring a baby into that turmoil and it wouldn't have been good for you and thankfully it didn't happen the last couple of months were pretty stressful so by valentine's day ben had turned on the charm brought home flowers and we took some time to reconnect he even created a really cute picture book of all of our memories together He assured me that everything would work out and he had absolutely no doubt in his mind that we would have a baby. And so the following month, we decided we would get a consultation with one of the most well-respected IVF clinics in the world, the same one that Kim Kardashian went to. I flew out to Colorado to get the full rundown with multiple doctors. It was so overwhelming. And while it seemed possible that they could help us, it was going to cost top dollar, money that I clearly didn't have. Ben reminded me of a database that he had told me about on our second date. It was something he created after his divorce with Athena, and he never actually completed it. 
but he said that it was super innovative and could be worth a lot of money that we could actually use towards the mounting fertility costs. Obviously, I was on board with this idea and we agreed that he'd hire some help to finish it and start the process of selling it to the highest bidder. What I didn't know at the time was that Ben was secretly back on Match.com and had met a woman named Deanna who he started a on and off again relationship for the next two and a half years. Here's a glimpse of Deanna's story and how it all started with Ben. How did he portray himself with you? Was he a party guy? Was he this guy, that guy? Like, how did he present himself other than the yes. small town boy? But a, a good old country boy just trying to make the world better. Okay, so what about his, like, character? What was his, like, was he, like, when you guys went and did stuff, what was the type of, like, environment you would find yourself in? There wasn't a lot of things that we would do. I love music. I played instruments. I... Concerts. I actually have have promoted music, you know. Um, Just go out to bars, was, clubs? No, not a whole lot. Okay. Because it was always kind of during the day because I was spending time with my kid and he said he was spending time with, he presented himself as this like uber family guy with the double white ex-wife, just trying to make it work, you know. And um, for me, I'm like, that's great. Deanna had no way of knowing who the real Ben was because he had given her a fake last name, he actually used his mother's maiden name, a fake birthday, his daughter's, a made-up career, and an old email address that wasn't even his primary one. So even if she wanted to do a little research on the new man in her life, she absolutely couldn't, and he made sure of that. Right off the bat, Deanna's first big red flag should have been the fact that Ben was court-ordered in the spring of 2016 to wear an ankle monitor device. Clearly, he had legal troubles, but being the pro that he was, Ben made up some plausible excuse that convinced her to move forward with the relationship. And within just a couple of months, though, Deanna was ready to pull the plug. A woman's intuition is powerful, and at this point, she and her friends were beginning to sense something just wasn't right. She noticed that Ben had multiple phones he used, which seemed really odd to her since he didn't work in sales. And the last minute cancellations on plans grew more and more suspicious. Her friend Teresa was the first to catch him in a lie when he said he was in Brazil for work and she discovered the photo he sent was just a copyrighted Getty image. Still, he managed to woo her back that summer and Ben continued to string her along doing the absolute minimum to get her to stay. Okay, I know you're probably thinking, how in the hell did I not notice that Ben was having an affair? Well, Ben only saw Deanna during the weekdays for a couple of hours at the end of the day before he picked up Sydney from daycare. There was about a two-month period when he was filming a video for work where he would stay late, maybe four or five times total, but it definitely didn't give me any red flags. And nights and weekends, he was always with me. Also, the typical signs that you're being cheated on wasn't applying. Like not having sex. Nope, we were still plenty active in that area. Becoming unreliable and flaky. Nope, our normal family routine was the same as it always was. Business trips become more frequent. Nope. He suddenly has different interests and hobbies. Nope. He accuses you of cheating. Definitely no. There was just nothing that would blatantly jump out to me that would alert me that he was cheating. 
While this was all going on in the background, Athena decided to sell her home and move almost 10 miles north from where we both lived in Kirkland. Will she ever stop just being a pain in the ass, I remember? Clearly, we weren't on good terms after she filed the DV charges on Ben. But we had just moved from Bellevue to Kirkland the year prior so we could actually be closer to Athena and make it easier on ourselves when picking up Sydney from her home and taking her to school. But here she was making a big decision that would completely disrupt our jobs and commute to work. 10 miles doesn't seem like much, but in Seattle traffic, it can take absolutely forever. And when you have to go in the complete opposite direction and then backtrack, it's a huge inconvenience and just disrespectful in my eyes. If she was trying to co-parent amicably, this wasn't the olive branch we were expecting. I guess I'll chime in and also say, it's kind of stupid of me to expect that she would want to give either of us an olive branch after we were in full-on war against her in court. But, you know, I wasn't quite thinking all the way clearly at that time. Finally, after returning home to Washington, I continued to look for homes that would be a good fit for our family in a good area and a good school district. I knew that I didn't want to move more than 10 miles in either direction of my current home. The real estate market was hot again, and as soon as a new home would come onto the market, it was gone within 24 to 48 hours. I soon realized this was going to be quite the task. I decided to take a different approach with my house hunting. On Zillow, a real estate search website, there was a search option called Make Me Move. I decided to hone in on these listings. I decided to email the homeowner to see if we could come view their home. They agreed. The house was perfect for us, so I wrote the owners a letter and I told them that I would love to raise my children in that house just as they had. We offered them the full asking price and we closed on the house three weeks before our beautiful baby boy arrived. I honestly did not want Ben to know where I lived. Our new home was only eight miles north of the old house and I didn't think it would be a big deal. Ben and I drove Sydney to and from school daily anyway, so nothing would change for the remaining of the school year. Of course, Ben and Amber were still watching every move we made so that they had ammo against me at any given point if needed. Sure enough, they saw a Facebook post I had made about the purchase of our new home. Within the week, Ben was blowing up my phone with threats and ordering me not to move. Too fucking late, Ben. We had already moved into our new home and he couldn't stop me from moving anyway. Ben's next attempt to intimidate me was to have his asshole attorney serve me at my new house with contempt papers. Here we go again. Chris and I got pregnant right away. Our very first date was April 10th. (gasps) No! He was born on the 11th, right? I went into labor. Oh my god! Are you going to labor? I was admitted to the hospital on April 10th. Chris made me (gasps) breakfast in bed to celebrate our one-year anniversary. Oh my god! And I'd been bleeding throughout the night from having sex the night before because our anniversary. My gosh. And so we went to the hospital and I was like, okay, I called them. And I was like, I'm not trying to make a big deal. I'm easy breezy. Like, and so when I went in and they wouldn't let me leave and they're like, no, you're admitted. So Allison oh and Lexi had to bring a hospital bag and they had to rush home and build the co-sleeper and finalize oh my everybody. Gosh. So that is crazy. I was not very prepared because we had just moved in. And so the court said that you didn't have to tell him where you moved. Yeah. So I filed the I didn't petition. Know that ahead of time because hmm. of everything he was doing and lying and the fake stories he was telling you. And how did he find it out? Sydney. Right. And when she was with you guys, she was the last one. She didn't even know we'd sold the house and moved. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she was like, what? What? Yeah. 
but see again, you know, I told you like I can't. I, I no, don't like, she was too lie. young at that age. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Sh- I'm not gonna. Say which, can't lie. which blows my mind though, because she lied for him. I know all these years. So what did he do to manipulate her that much? He just said, "Don't tell your mom." He turned me in just the same way he did to you later. By the time May came around, I had mentally prepared myself to attend my best friend Jen's celebration of life in Oregon. All of my sorority sisters would be there, and I knew it was going to be a difficult day. But before I could even clear my head and have a moment to just grieve, Ben and all his drama reared its ugly head again. This time, he came home with an ankle bracelet on, appointed by the King County court system. What the fuck? Ben went on to explain to me that weeks prior during the whole domestic violence situation, Athena's boyfriend, Chris, approached him when he was leaving the gym. He actually took a swing at Ben when he got close and provoked a fight, and he was left with no choice but to hit back. And while Chris missed, Ben didn't, and he was out cold in the middle of the LA Fitness parking lot. Ben went on to explain that because of the domestic violence charge that was still in effect, He would actually be the one in trouble, even though Chris started it. Ben was the one who made contact, and therefore he was liable. And as a result, he had to wear an ankle monitor for probation. Well, great. There goes our summer. I I just couldn't get a break. And so you have like one little one week of good and then five weeks of horrible. He comes home with a goddamn ankle bracelet on from the courts. And I'm like, you and this story. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And he's like, that motherfucker never even works out a day. Him and his dad, Bob, blah, blah, blah. He's like ripping Chris a new one. So he purposely went to my gym, the gym that he knows where I work out, to show up. And I saw him approaching me. And I was like, man, you don't want to do this. Like, just stay away. And he's like, as Chris approached him, I could feel like a swing. Like he tried to take a punch at him. And he's like, and I flinched. And (laughs) this is the best. Because I was a former MMA a fighting champion, my reflexes are so fast that I did like a side punch to the side, like uh, a <laughs> scrape, but like a, one of those. Oh <laughs> and, my and God. I'm embarrassed him. for him hearing this. I am, I am too. And he goes, and, and because I'm just so quick and I just have this natural background, <laughs> I'm such a, I'm so famous for MMA, uh, light heavyweight, by the, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's very specific. So anyways, he did one of these like side punches. <laughs> And it clocked him in the jaw and it hit in such a way. It was so precise because that's what he does that it knocked him out cold and he was laying there flat in the parking lot. Baby, poor Chris, my poor hubby. Happened so fast, how humiliating. So he's like, I stayed there and I had eyewitnesses that saw the whole thing. Oh, it always has eyewitnesses. Oh yeah. Always. On Saturday, May 14th, we had a celebration of life for my very best friend, Jen. She was loved so dearly. And one week later, on May 23rd, my sweet nephew, Bradley, passed away. If my heart hadn't taken enough at this point, this news put me over the edge. I give up. I had just got onto the freeway, and my mom calls, and I, I don't know how to describe it, but I knew something was wrong. She does not call me in the morning ever. And my heart just stopped. And I remember picking up the phone and my mom's not the best about 
giving bad news. She just blurts shit out. And I lost my mind. I just went home and, and Ben was still there. I kept saying he's gone. He's gone. And I fell down on the ground and he was holding me and trying to comfort me. And he's like, just do what you need to do. I got things taken care of and I'll call your boss and let them know what happened. And I just remember going like fucking a hundred miles down I five, just, I have to get there. I have to get there to be with my sister and my family. It was a very pivotal moment for me because I really had to evaluate like life's so precious and why am I in this this situation that's clearly not getting better? And I keep waiting, thinking we're going to have a light at the end of the tunnel and we're going to have a new start and a new fresh beginning. We're just going to get this stupid stuff with Athena taken care of and we're just going to get on a better, um, are you okay? Hearing you talk about it, it just, that's exactly how I felt. It's just... It hits you so hard, it doesn't feel real, and you can't breathe, and you can't stand. Yeah. And I just, I'll never forget it, and I opened the door because Chris was out front because we were packing and leave, and he just walked me back to the table, and I... It's like you don't, it's like, I know, I wish I could hug you right now. I know, babe. Um, I know. (laughs) It really is, and it's, it's... I'm glad at least Ben stepped up and took care of like calling your boss. He did. I mean, but at the same time, it's that like, kind of stuff. He showed up at the funeral with me, and he's cheating on me. He was probably texting Deanna oh, fuck the whole did. time. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like visits to the bathroom and the poor body. Yeah, like Dick. that's the most hurtful. You sabotage yeah. me being a mom. You sabotage, yeah, like that part of my life. I know. And then you disrespect me to the lowest level and. That's my baby nephew. Like that's, he means everything to us. And you show up there fake as can be. With the only grandchild. only one. And then I don't, I'm not able to have kids. So my whole family, we don't have grandchildren. I'm not giving up on that. But it's like, we don't have the chance to have grandchildren. We don't get to have that excitement of like watching the kids open presents. Bradley was it. We, all of our memories, all of our family vacations centered around Bradley because he was the only child. And our happiness was like yeah. watching him go to Disneyland. We've taken, you know, just the stuff that I was doing with Sydney. We did that with Bradley. Yeah. And so I felt like that was one of the lowest blows for me is finding out like. And he continued the affair. He continued the affair. And I'm just, oh, and here. And then added more women and added yeah. more. And I'm just like, I'd rather you just be a fucking piece of shit. And at least I End know it, you're right? a piece of shit, but don't show up at my, yeah. bra- my, I remember walking in. This is probably too much graphic detail but I remember he had to get permission to leave the state because of the ankle monitor and I was like you have to be there I can't do this by myself oh god and so he said he got permission but he had to fly in and literally fly out the same day and I was trying to be there and be strong and we had an open casket I remember during the, the planning meeting the lady said that we would have the casket in a separate viewing room so people who are not comfortable yeah. could go and say their goodbyes yes. me and Ben show up and I walk in and there he is on display. I scream. I like I was so like, <gasps> like j- I wasn't prepared to see him because I wasn't sure at that point whether I wanted to see his body. And I just, I hadn't made my decision, but I was kind of forced to because I walked in and there he was, they didn't put him in a separate room. And so Ben had to be there. And like, I'm sitting here like fucking bawling. Like, like I've never cried in my whole life. More than the IVF, more than anything. I'm sitting there bawling because I'm sitting this baby boy in a casket. Um, I remember it too. It's it's so surreal feeling and 
they're just there's no life in them and it's just hard to explain it's just a really just yeah a body he looks so just helpless you know he just looks so fragile and um yeah. yeah but I'm sitting there going this is where you need your partner this is when you need the Chris's of the world who are genuine and strong men who support you and I had this piece of shit who was lying to me the whole entire time did he I don't hug think you he, or comfort you or anything yeah he did but I was like how fake This was probably one of the worst times in my life ever. And honestly, I don't know how I got through it and even more surprised that this all didn't just throw me into another deep, dark depression. One thing I did leave out earlier in this episode was the eerie coincidence of my nephew's passing and my bout with depression. Do you remember in episode 13, A Slice of Beefcake, when I explained how I was suicidal in my 20s? and was planning on going to a particular highway to cause an accident with a semi-truck? Well, more than a decade later, my sister and her husband just so happened to buy property and build their dream home right off of that same highway. The same one that my nephew passed away on in a head-on collision with a logging truck. That day changed my life and my family's lives forever. And I remember screaming to Ben, that should have been me, over and over and over. I was hysterical. And sometimes we never get the answer of why, and I will never understand how or why this even had to happen to my family. But what I do know is that this was a pivotal time in my life, and I knew I was somehow going to make my way back home, because my heart was no longer in Seattle with Ben, even though I tried to tell myself it was. And now, your red flag, not so fun fact. In relationships with narcissists or people with a cluster B disorder, there is what is called a cycle of abuse. The first stage is the idealization phase, which we've seen a lot of in my earlier episodes with all of Ben's love bombing. And then it moves into devaluation. For the longest time, I didn't actually think this was happening to me, but after listening to this episode and the previous one, I realized it very much was. You see, Ben wasn't devaluing me to my face. He never put me down or made me feel like I was less or ever degrade me, ever. But what he was doing was devaluing me behind my back and talking shit to Athena and my friends and anybody else who would listen. And you really see that in this episode episode. Now, all of a sudden, I'm crazy, unhinged, and just a general overall horrible person. We even see a bit of the discard phase in this episode too when he secretly starts another relationship with Deanna. During turbulent times in our relationship, I was always threatening to leave. And as a result, Ben needed to have a new supply to fill all of his narcissistic needs. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. I feel like it escalated at this point. And I think it was because she was holding a lot in because she had come to me and talked to me about you and she knew it was safe too. But suddenly she started clamming up again. Um, I did not put two and two together because my mind would not go there. I'm sorry, but you're raising red flags. Like, yeah, I'm just having a rare conversation. This is a normal mom thing, a friend thing. Ben was programming her 
and mm-hmm. um, making her think that if I was to ask her, you were to ask her that we were prying and digging for information because we were evil and oh, totally. And yeah. it was just like, it was just very hurtful and confusing then because I didn't know what was happening. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.